not a pervert. I just was looking for German doll. Capitalism and toys they wanted for Christmas without thinking about all of the <laughs> disasters. Yeah, all the chaos, <laughs> all the chaos, and all the chaos, all the all the all the mailmen that went crazy. No, <laughs> I is... should have said the millenniums, as Ridley Scott would say. Oh yeah, you no, know the... we gotta can't forget that. But yeah, you know the days of yore in which you know your father would get in a street fight with a mailman. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Toys R Us. <laughs> yeah, where yeah your father would uh, risk becoming the uh, the neighborhood pariah to get you a uh, a oh. cabbage patch kid. There, it, it helps that there seems to be a legitimate sexual predator in their neighborhood <laughs> as well. Yeah. Oh, a, a total yeah, a total evil an evil entity. Well, on that note, I think it's uh, I think it's turbo time. Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy. Uh, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Gremion, and I'm not a pervert. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm just trying to get the turbo man. Welcome to the Academy. <laughs> Uh, oh, as you can tell, we use the word bonus. We're riffing on something that has nothing to do with the Brooks Boys. Not at all. Further down the swerve rabbit hole. Yes, the only uh, the only way we the only thing we left to say is ho ho ho. It's Christmas time, the holiday season. Mm. Uh, so we're doing a fa- one of the famous um, Patrick Don Pickums. I think these were all on Barack Obama's top movies of the year. List. Oh yeah! Anytime we did a pick'em, he was like, "Well, let me be clear. I love the Patrick and Don pick'ems. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, my favorite movies of the year were uh, uh, Coda, uh, Silent Partner, uh, Belfast, and Jingle All the Way." <laughs> He's just catching up with Jingle All the Way. <laughs> just catching, yeah, been in office. Uh, you know, I had to catch up with that. So as we're, as you could see from the title of the episode, if you've that you've downloaded from the your favorite podcast provider that we have uh, signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a, Christmas, a holiday special today, a Patrick and Don Pickham, in which we each picked a holiday movie to uh, warm our hearts yeah. going into this uh, holiday season. We are, we've never recorded in the same room, but we're, boy, this sounds like the start of a Hallmark movie. Mm. We're further apart than ever before. <laughs> It's true, yeah. We're both in our respective small towns. Cue <laughs> yeah. up to John Cougar Mellencamp, because the two of two of the two of the smaller towns in the United States, uh, yeah. Seattle, Washington, and uh, you're in Houston, right? Yeah, I'm in Houston, yeah. Texas. Yeah. yeah, the biggest small town. Yeah, the biggest small town, yeah. if you will. So, yeah, a tiny town of six million um, people. I mean. Comparably, too, I mean, Jingle all the way certainly makes uh, Minneapolis look like 
town with four streets. Yeah, so. it's like there's like one uh, there's one greasy spoon, uh, the Mall of America, and a uh, a back lot where they did a parade. And God damn it, don't miss the parade. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't miss that parade. Okay, it's my favorite part. Of that, mo- I gotta do a little quick aside. When uh, all the kids are like nerding out, and uh, one of them's like, "Whoa, cat in the hat! <laughs> Whoa, it's the Crayola crayon! <laughs> <laughs> wow, grass growing! Yeah. Oh, it's oh, also. Oh my God! When Sinbad pushes a box and goes, "Move it, box!" <laughs> Oh God! What See, a... that's why he cast Sinbad. That's why Brian Levant was, uh, you know, he really laid down the law to the producers. It's like it's it's all or nothing, Sinbad or nothing. This is yeah. This is gonna make. This is like his. Uh, this is his Kevin Klein in A Fish Called Blonda. This is yep. <laughs> this is gonna be the moment that defines his career forever. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a lot of people didn't have faith, but Brian Levant was like. We need, we need the man. We need Sinbad. Yeah. Uh, tour uh, Brian Levant. Oh tour, oh tour, oh tour, oh tour. Beethoven, the Flintstones. Yeah. <laughs> if if you if you were a child in the nineties, you did see a Brian Levant picture. Yeah, no you will, he, Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have nostalgia poison for this man. Yeah. One way or for another. And um, so we get into it here. Yeah, let's get into. Are it. you nostalgic poisoned for good reason, or is it doing? Are you like, uh, are you like Reginald Woodcock in Phantom Thread? Is it not a good thing that you're yeah. being poisoned all the time? <laughs> or yeah, or is it like yeah, the the relationship with Brian Levant and uh, y- you? Is it kind of like those ants that get affected by that fungus? Yeah, <laughs> where it's like a parasitic. It's like eating your brain, and the fungus is making you like become nostalgic about jingle all the way <laughs> yes uh so what do you say we didn't talk about it beforehand we can talk about it on air are we talking uh my movie or your movie first what do you uh, prefer you, you can pick them on this one you know what um God, silent partner is like an actual good movie i want to res- like which way which way is more respectful to that movie <laughs> like is it better to save like the best for last or should we like let's, do let's- then why do, do we do it in chronological? Let's do Silent Partner. Let's do first, Silent Partner first. And then yeah. we'll do Jingle all the way. So, <laughs> yeah. my pick this week was the 1978 Canadian thriller, The Silent Partner, mm. directed by Daryl Duke, written by, for one of his first screen credits, Curtis Hansen. Uh, longtime listeners will remember he played Meryl Streep's husband in Adaptation, <laughs> in addition <laughs> to directing LA Confidential and legitimately great movies like yeah. that. Um, starring a. Um, Power Trio, Elliot Gould, Christopher Plummer, and Susanna York, mm. co-starring Celine Lomez, and uh, early, very early appearance from John Candy. Oh, man, he's only in this movie a little bit, but man, he just makes a meal of like, he's so good. His he little re- moments. He has a real presence, um, but frankly, so do the leads. Uh, and it should yeah. be noted, music, music by Oscar Peterson, uh, mm-hmm. first ever film from Carlico Pictures. So this one... Yeah. Um, was released apparently in the late 70s early 80s there was a uh, canadian government introduced an ordinance called the capital cost allowance incentive plan which gave production to companies tax inducements to make commercial films in canada Hmm. uh silent partner has been called one of the few truly good films to come out of this tax shelter (laughs) heyday um uh based on a um swedish novel 
by Andre, Anders Vodelsalm. Uh, that was called, very cool title, Think of a Number. I like, oh. that, I like that title. It's very neat. Um, interesting production history on this one. Uh, Elliot Gould said it was the best script he ever had uh, received since The Touch. With mm. him, he worked with Ingmar Bergman, and he claims to have screened it for Alfred Hitchcock himself, who loved it. Oh, um, interesting. Ebert gave it three and a half out of a possible four stars, calling it a thriller that is not only intelligently and well acted and very scary, but also has the most audaciously clockwork plot I've seen in a long time. Um, this is a very cool movie that has found kind of a new audience the last four or five years. Uh, we did not see it there, but obviously we always shout it out. New Beverly had been doing a long term double of this and Die Hard. <laughs> which make for quite a fun Christmas. So what is it? How is it a Christmas movie? Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it takes, hey, you know what? It takes place during it Christmas. It takes place on Christmas, and a key crime in the film is committed by Christopher Plummer dressed as Santa Claus. So folks, it counts. Um, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Had you seen this before, Patrick? No, I have not even heard of it before. This was like totally went in naked, uh, I kind of like decided I'm not really going to look that much into it. I kind of want to just like experience it. And man, like truly like a treat to like, just see a, a great film that you haven't heard anything about. I, uh, it was genuinely shocking in moments. Uh, like the visuals are like, I sent you like a picture of a visual. I liked like in particular, like the, there's a, a particularly cruel moment in the film. Uh, you know, not the cruelest moment, but like, it's like, a, it's, it's like, a, yeah, that'd be kind of silly. And if I thought there that. is, we will, we'll beat around the bush on what the cruelest moment. In oh, the film it's is. cruel. It is crazy. Uh, shockingly cruel to the point that the director, Daryl Duke, when he was instructed to do it, refused to film it and a different director shot the sequence because he felt it was too much which is like i on one level it's fair on another level there is like a part of me that's like damn like i'm impressed that they went there (laughs) it it it, it was wild watching it this time around too elliot will get to the plot in just a moment but um The comedic beat of Elliot Gould hanging off of a balcony as a paper boy does not notice a rolled up carpet with something inside of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like a, t- a typical, like, goofball mailman or whatever. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Like, after, what Elliot, after what Elliot Gould has just seen, how calm he. And, you know, that's it. Okay. So, yeah, we can get to we gotta, character yeah. dynamics. But essentially, um, we'll, 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 we'll just do the basics of the plot here because it is fun to watch this movie. Um, kind of unfurl mm-hmm. in, it, in its way. So Elliot Gould plays Miles Cullen, a bored bank teller at a small bank in a Toronto shopping mall. Mm-hmm. Um, and he accidentally learns that his place of business is about to be robbed when he finds a discarded note, hold-up note on one of his bank's counters, which, uh, you know, first mistake, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And he and Elliot Gould like almost immediately establishes himself as being a much smarter than the average bear of a kind of a wrong, innocent man in these situations. And um, he figures out who it is because he sees that the mall Santa 
has the uses the letter G in their handwriting in a very similar way to this ransom note. Yeah, or this very, uh, hold up note that he it's found. A, it's a unique way. It's a great. That's a great like um, way of determining that character. That's like an interesting. I love that because it's like it's very it's believable and it's smart and like yeah it, it, it works like it really works so elliot gould comes up with this like we said he's kind of bored he doesn't he he has he's a he's way into fishes and aquariums he's yeah those in his apartment he tries to be flirtatious with his co-worker who's played by british actor Susanna york but he's a little awkward Mm-hmm. in doing so despite the fact that as we learn as the movie progresses he's a he's actually quite a bit of a catnip to the ladies yeah <laughs> everyone in canada wants to show up elliot gould it is <laughs> he is like canada's number one bachelor he's, he's quite popular <laughs> with young women in canada as yeah. the movie progresses yeah, uh, he is, he's canada's hunk <laughs> but uh so he comes up with the ingenious plan of beginning to skim money off the top of each of the um each time anyone brings in any cash to be deposited at the Mm -hmm. bank in anticipation of the robbery so when the robbery occurs and it is turns out it's christopher Plummer dressed as santa claus is the um is the robber elliot gould can say the robber got away with a certain amount of money but actually have handed off a much lower amount of money in the actual robbery Mm -hmm. and Elliot Gould gets to keep a healthy chunk of change for himself, which all goes off. But then Christopher Plummer, when he's watching the news, hears the total that was supposedly stolen and realizes that Elliot Gould is up to no good. And Christopher Plummer would like the rest of the money. Hence Elliot Gould is his silent partner in this bank robbery oh, man. <laughs> um, it, it, and by the way christopher Plummer in this we'll, we'll leave it we'll leave it at that plot wise yeah. i'm gonna leave it at that plot wise because it's best to see that full. but yes it, it would be it would be unfathomable not for us to, to not discuss christopher Plummer's performance next oh um, my god like it's it awesome is, yeah <laughs> he rules he is so, what an insane character he's so scary yeah he's one of the most evil people we have covered um on the show i yeah. think it's like him and phil hartman no, <laughs> so, no yes. or arnold or sinbad <laughs> yeah and sinbad. and sinbad yeah but uh but uh he is like just his like setup like like seeing christopher Plummer with like a gold chain is like unsettling on one it's just like it's jarring it's Would very they like... never go into any detail why he dresses the way he does yeah like mesh shirts and gold chains and stuff like that mm-hmm. they just let it be that he is yeah. this guy and it's such a like unsettling character because of it oh yeah and like how like um there's something about he's tidy too like i feel like his nails are very well yeah. manicured and like he's very like he's always like, like a- combing his hair yeah. and he's very like proper in everything he does and he look he actually looks he's super fit it looks really good he but. looks yeah he looks really well it's like and it's like yeah and i think part of why it's effective too is there you know he's cashing in on that like he was george von trapp or whatever like he was like sound of music and like this is like such a um what a a change of pace <laughs> i mean the the set that after he brought the second time you meet him after he 
goes through with the robbery dress is saying that he's in like his skivvies beating up this woman in this horrific fashion and you're just like oh he's a yeah really really nasty customer and it helps you kind of like put yourself in elliot gould's shoes on how is like elliot gould gonna outsmart him because this guy like is going to kill elliot gould Mm -hmm. and you know and he it's so good it's such a good performance. Oh, yeah. Elliot, yeah. Uh, his performance isn't great. Elliot Gould's is great. I yeah. also love, like, the... Just all the, like, weird Canadian supporting actors yes. that are... And, like, they're all just, like, really horny and weird. And, like, <laughs> so everyone's like, look at that lady with the big tits. Like, every, yeah. every, like there's just a lot of these, like... Well, like the like, lady like, who works at the bank who, who wears uh, double, like... Uh, innuendo-laden, like, pun t-shirts while it's, working at the bank in, like, a tight t-shirt. It's, it's like, nuts! It is, like, it's like Toronto in the 70s was, like, the skeeziest place on Earth! Well, I mean, you know who emerged from Toronto in the 70s uh, is, um, who, probably the leader of the freak scene was David Cronenberg, so this is the yeah. same, the same universe. Is, yeah, this is, yeah, this is the where the brood happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, those Canadians, I mean, they're, they're pleasant, but, oh, they got, they got a freaky, freaky side, as they we got, find out in this movie. Oh, for real, yeah. I also, <laughs> I want to just do a, a, one of the aspects I loved about this film, too, is that, um, you see, like, John Candy's character has started a relationship with someone, and eventually, like, there's, like, a sub, like, a, like this minor subplot where he ends up getting married over the course of this, like, film, and it's just, I love that that's, like, the weird set dressing for this film is, like, this man starting a relationship with someone, and by the end of it, like, yeah, they're at his, like, wedding at the beach. Who also cheats on him with the bank manager at one point. Yeah, but she still marries John Candy, which is like, oh, it's so nuts. Yeah, that that yeah. is wild too. It if, is, well, if yeah. anyone in Canada is more um, catnip to the ladies, it's whoever this bank manager guy. Is, oh yeah, exactly. Who, I mean, he has an ethos, as you pointed out on our Twitter feed. His Charles Packer, <laughs> played by um, Michael Kirby, who does not have a Wikipedia page, but he has an ethos, which is the only important thing is banking. Banking. <laughs> love that's what an insane scene what a this company man who is like a total goblin like spiritually cheating <laughs> like, on his wife with every single woman who works at the bank yeah it seems yeah and he's like a, and he's a big old like you know he's a nerd he is like a weird like i guess he's like i guess he's the bank manager so maybe that's the appeal i don't know it's so it's wild well there is an element in the movie that's really interesting is the second elliot gould shows he has some like power and some backbone that's Mm. when he becomes catnip yeah it's like before the robbery there and even at you know even toward the susanna york's reaction when she learns about elliot gould's scheme she's like i'm I'm into it That is, like, the fascinating thing about this movie is, like, one of the weird treaties of this film is, like, power is uh, intoxicating. Maybe crime rocks, but don't be a creep about it. Yeah, crime rocks, but don't be a creep. Or, like, you know, you can crime if you want, but the stakes are pretty high. Yeah, the stakes (laughs) are pretty high. You might not like it. You might not like where you end up. Yeah, you, you, you might you might fall in love with a woman who emerges halfway through the movie as a main character, and then, yeah, you know, 
a twist. Yeah, <laughs> they're definitely. Yeah, I feel like there are definitely like five mo, at least five moments in this movie where you could have done the whole like needle drop, and then like I bet you're probably wondering how I got in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> I think the interesting thing about Elliot Gould in the movie, he's so unusual, especially when you think of like a modern day character. He is unapologetic about yes. his, like anything he does, and he is a kind of he is a bad guy. No, he's not a good man. No. Yeah, and he he's not particularly like emotional to any of the women who throw themselves at him. Um, his reaction to kind of the big shock moment mm-hmm. of the movie is surprisingly like unresponsive. Like, to you know and all like the only thing he really seems to like get in a tizzy about is if he's gonna get his money yeah well it's like he's so like i don't know if it's like maybe and like he's played a, by elliot gould who's very good at getting into a tizzy oh yeah no he definitely loves he loves a good tizzy elliot yeah. gould. uh but uh like there's something uh, yeah there's like an unmoored quality to his character where like it just like you do like realize that like he has like he has like a father who is practically comatose or they paid him as comatose almost and and, he, and who dies and, like yeah. there's a funeral scene it's pretty you know and gould is um subdued there and beyond that like there's like no real connections in his life at least illustrated in the film beyond like the people at the bank yeah and who he seems like even when he's invited to a party or something that he is not he's an outsider yeah oh 100 percent. and it's weird like when they show him working at the bank like in those opening shots you're like what is elliot gould doing working at this bank yeah he's like why is he he's better than this what is yeah and i think that that's the interesting thing about it is it's this guy who like is so bummed about where he's ended up at like 42 yeah in his life that's that grim he, that he's made and all he's got is his damn fish he's yep. got he's got no lady he's got no like real family other than his dying father and so he's like makes this decision to rob the bank but the interesting thing is he never learns like a lesson of like boy i shouldn't have boy if i hadn't robbed this bank no this would have happened he's just like i need to figure out a way to keep my money from this psycho yeah. <laughs> is his, gotta... his like reaction to it Oh man, yeah, that is so funny. Yeah, no, no lessons are learned really beyond <laughs> yeah. save your hide, get your get get your get your paper. Like <laughs> crime does pay if you're clever about it. <laughs> yeah, if you're a little clever guy, you can get away with it. And he is like, it is like a clever ruse. Like he gets one on um, Plumber initially. Yeah, by toward the end when they finally meet face to face, Plumber's like. I'm actually not mad. I'm kind of impressed. Yeah, you, he, he is, there is like this implication that he is like, yeah, he's like uh, two or three horrifically violent acts away from maybe being in the same world as Plummer. Yeah, and I think that, you know, is it a commentary on kind of white collar crime versus blue collar crime? Oh, that's And how they're like, they are kind of in, they're in league with each other, despite the fact that, you know, plumber is like a freak yeah who like murders any who is utterly violent he's and... like a stephen king villain he's like an evil entity he is like yeah he's like he's like he is like an infant chick like that level of just like yes yeah, yeah he, like... and he's but he's so clever and you know if you think about it in no country for all men's sense it almost is this like 
this demon haunting you for your sin like oh, mild man. sin in a yeah. same way and that's what makes this movie cool this movie actually has quite a bit of depth and is quite quite intriguing beyond just being a gripping yarn on yeah. top of everything else there's like yeah there is like a level it's a slapper it's a great yeah it's a great uh the only yeah maybe the one weird thing is yeah for some reason elliot gould is like catnip to all the but that is that it's the power thing. but it is it is also 1978 oh that's true yeah 100 you know, well and i was gonna say that's society but hell no it's elliot gould yeah. <laughs> like oh, uh, you know uh, everyone, everyone uh, want that gould the, the thinking man's hunk of the 70s <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is the he's easy I love him. I'm a huge, huge Elliot Gould fan. I think that's been made pretty clear on the show. Jen bought me Elliot Gould's cameo for my birthday. Oh my year. god! What a great, uh, what a great. How much does he go for on cameo? It wasn't cheap. Okay, you don't have to say. Don't like, have to say. That's I don't remember, but I do remember her saying like <laughs> surprisingly, surprisingly more expensive than you'd think, <laughs> considering like Bruce Dern was like fifty percent. The price, oh. I think, of Gould. Oh and, wow! And I put. Bruce has been nominated for an Oscar recently. I know. Yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah re- not, very recently. Like, but I think it's um, Elliot Gould was selling it not that it not with like Long Goodbye, or California Split, or even Silent Partner or Mash. He was selling it um, as Monica and Ross's dad on Friends, oh. and people will pay for that kind of thing. Oh man! So it's just a bunch of people being like, uh, "Recreate that scene where he uh, pour coffee on Gunther or whatever." Yeah, and yeah. Jen asked him to talk about. There's this scene in California Split where he and George Siegel drunkenly try and name the seven dwarves. Oh, that's pretty. Good. And uh, my brother and I, it's one of our favorite. When we are a bit around the holiday season, a bit tipsy, we like doing that bit together <laughs> too. We're like, okay. What is George Eagle? He goes, I'm going to knock these out like a goddamn Gatling gun. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got Dopey. You got Doc. <laughs> sleazy. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. No, there was no Sleazy. Yeah, you can be... <laughs> no, you're wrong. No Sleazy. No Sleazy. It's just these two like great men of the 70s having, uh, a great, yeah. having a great scene. And so Janet asked him to kind of bring up the Seven Dwarves rolls. In, 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 the, uh, in the cameo. It was awesome. I mean, Again, I love I love the man. I love him. Yeah, and he he, <laughs> he is and he is he is uh, at like his peak here, or not as maybe not his peak, but like it's it's a great. He's it's great. A, it's it. the tail end of the Gould decade of the nineteen seventies. <laughs> Obviously, like yeah, by the time he reached the eighties and nineties, he was not the megastar. I mean, because he frankly got replaced by the leading guy in our next movie in terms of what was marketable for mainstream movies. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> oh, no. You know, I mean, and you can't think of two more polar opposite performers oh than the leads of these two movies. Wouldn't you love, though, a version of the next movie where Elliot Gould is like an exas- exasperated grandpa trying yeah, to... Yeah, he's like, he's like Rita Wilson's dad or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Or yeah, or or he's just like you add him to the mix as the third guy trying to get Turbo Man or something like that. And then you that. got Christopher Plummer in the Phil Hartman role. Basic, but murderous about Turbo. Man. <laughs> yes, he's like murder. He's murder. He will do whatever uh, it takes. Oh, he's uh, in the Sinbad. He's an evil mailman. I, I, do whatever I, it takes. I, I hear you actually have three Turbo Man. <laughs> <laughs> just fine. Go, Elliot. Yeah. It just yeah, but uh, folks, you gotta check out the Sound Partner. 
I think oh, we yeah. should just make that pretty clear. Like this movie, ten out of ten. This movie is it, it's it's rough because oh, we have yeah. not talked about what we we've alluded to. Ooh. I think pretty well that there is a pretty rough sequence, couple yeah. pretty rough sequences. It in gets this movie. shocking. <laughs> that yeah, that jaw dropping, and you know, I mean, the director should bring him up before we move on to our next picture. Um, the director is a guy by the name of Daryl Duke, who was a uh, Canadian director. Um who directed one other movie that I give a full, full-throated Don uh, endorsement mm. of, which is called Payday. It came out in 1972, stars um, uh, Academy Academy favorite Rip Torn. Oh, man. Um, it, basically, he is a country music singer named Maury Dan, great character name, who um, travels the southern states in a Cadillac, and gets into all sorts of trouble. He is a tornado of bad news wherever oh, no. he shows up at. Oh, no. <laughs> it's kind of based on kind of like the George Jones, Hank Williams, like Merle Haggard, uh, troublemaker country stars of that era. And it, it it's a 70s gem, folks. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite Rip Torn performances. And I wish, you know, Daryl Duke, a lot of TV work in his career um i'm curious he's got um movie made in 82 called hard feelings which i've not checked out uh, canadian drama um like it looks like an after school special or something like that uh, type thing and um he directed like a, just a ton of tv basically yeah. in his career but you know what's groovy about the guy is that he made um two really neat 70s movies mm. this one in payday and recommend them both really highly um if you're a curtis hansen fan this this is also cool it was cool uh, seeing um i did not realize curtis hansen uh started out this early and it's crazy that he was like this this competent and this like good oh this when of he of course another curtis hansen connection the river wild to the show Ooh, he directed that yeah. one as well and he's very good at this kind of movie he yeah. was he was really good before he kind of moved on into the la confidential wonder boys kind of more prestige kind of movies the man could do a gripping he was like of the hitchcock school of thriller he was maker. like a mid-level yarn guy in like the best way possible yeah yeah i mean and, uh, you know think about uh how good kevin bacon was oh. in uh, river wild in the same vein uh as christopher Plummer in oh, this one yeah, just, uh, just another good villains ludicrous freak yeah he does yeah. a good he's a great at making ludicrous freaks yeah like genuinely like <laughs> these charming but like truly villainous yeah characters but um hansen one of his earlier directorial ones that i did watch this year was 1987's the bedroom window uh neo-noir another neo-noir this one was steve gutenberg as the guy and what? very similar qualities to the Gould character in it, um, among them as well, that he is utter catnip to the ladies. <laughs> One of the three men with a baby. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's a stretch. I don't know if Gutenberg is totally up to the task for this kind of like dark thriller, wrong man <laughs> kind of thing, but um, it's a cool movie. I liked it. I'm excited. I um, see that. But yeah, I, that's, very academy academy but uh to love these kind of 80s 
<laughs> sleaze ball like neo-noirs <laughs> but uh but yeah i recommend the bedroom window as well i mean i like curtis hansen all the way through i've been a you know la confidential i think is a true one of the true bangers as well oh, yeah. in this era oh, but, it rolls. Uh, but yeah i think silent partner is full full-throated recommendation on this one mm-hmm. uh, i was gonna watch it with the whole family but probably don't <laughs> i was thinking about that too i was like there's a part of me that wants to show this to my family but then there's a part of me that's like oh man i don't know if we can maybe like after christmas maybe we'll maybe it's like a post christmas for that post christmas malaise <laughs> yeah i watched it last night and i um t- turned on shutter afterwards and i put on the devil times five which is this horror movie about um evil kids killing yuppies in the mountains <laughs> but it like vacillates between two different kinds of scenes the kids killing an adult mm-hmm. and then the adults having a fairly gratuitous sex scene right 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 <laughs> i got about 25 minutes in and i was like i think this is a little racy to watch at the family home yeah <laughs> i was like never mind <laughs> i feel that i'm like yeah it's like uh, i don't know if this is right like in the place i was raised <laughs> yeah, is king yeah. richard still on <laughs> hbo max yeah <laughs> Hey, you know what? Though, if you're having a problem finding, we got maybe uh, the next we, movie. Uh, good transition. That's why you're <laughs> the best in the biz when it comes Ooh, to that kind of thing. Mr. Transition. Mr. Transition, as he's known and loved. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Segway. Uh, Mr. Segway, we return to the 1990s with Patrick's pick. 1996's Jingle All the Way, <laughs> uh, directed by the aforementioned Brian Levant. Uh, noteworthy, to, it should be noted, produced by Chris Columbus, who wow. is kind of the uh, the god of um, <laughs> these kind of yeah. middle brow, uh, supposedly heartwarming. Yeah, ostensibly. In theory, it's heartwarming. It's, his, the, um, it's the shape of heartwarming. His production company is 1492 Pictures, which feels a little eerie. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the ominous, like, oh no, maybe. I, we watched his movie Nine Months recently, which, much, much like this movie, is like ostensibly a comedy and ostensibly heartwarming. <laughs> it's like, it just feels like grim and evil. Like a time. Yeah. Uh, this, one, this one stars um Academy Academy favorite, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, Phil Hartman, Rita Wilson, uh, Robert Conrad, a brief cameo by the beloved Jim Belushi. Um, and uh Patrick, one of your favorites, Jake Lloyd. Oh yes, my boy Lloyd. <laughs> Did you know that there's a part two starring Larry the Cable Guy? Oh, I saw that. It looks <laughs> totally grim <laughs> so this movie was a 75 million dollar budget no one took a pay cut <laughs> no uh, i will say like they were um i, I read like a uh, an oral history on this movie and there was one person in that oral history that was like everyone was really happy because we all had money yes. like it was like we all got paid and no one was mad yeah, yeah. 129 <laughs> million dollars at the box office um it's i had not seen it since it came out um and i think our age difference might oh this has a 19 percent on rotten tomatoes oh it's no it's hated it's loathed (laughs) it's a loathed film um the comedian mike drucker 
for some reason wrote about it. And I think it's an interesting, despite its fairly entertaining buildup and somewhat serious commentary on materialism during the holidays, the end of the movie takes a realistic conceit and adds in comedy sci-fi elements. Not only does the movie take a turn for the cartoony, but the end is basically everybody laughing and learning their lesson without any realistic resolution of the situation. It's yes. as if the screenwriters couldn't figure out an easy way out of Howard's situation, so they added slapstick <laughs> comedy and, epi- and, and, and an ending from an episode of Full House. <laughs> but it's like it's like if Full House though had like a sixty million dollar budget, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, with Arnold, <laughs> Arnold. I mean, we've praised his comedic chops oh, yeah. on the show before, but he's straining a bit in this one. Oh, it's uh, yeah, yeah. This one is yeah, nineteen percent on the critical consensus. Arnold tries his best, but Jingle All the Way suffers from an uneven tone shifting wildly from would-be satire on materialism to an antic slapstick yuck fest um it had to have been nominated for um razzies it would yeah worst director brian levant for the razzie for that one um also interesting subplot um jingle all the way two was produced by wwe studios that makes perfect that makes perfect sense. Was there um, were there any wrestlers in Jingle All the Way? Part yeah, Big like, Show. Looks like yeah. Oh, when he was in the yeah, the Big Show was in the original one. Oh, in the second, the new which, one. Yeah. Which um, I remember when he popped up, I was like, oh, this was a time when wrestling mattered far more than it should have to me, and this appearance by the Big Show mattered to me yeah. as part of this movie. Uh, I was a little old. To be charmed by this movie when it came out, so That's I do not totally have fair. nostalgia in the same vein as yeah. you do. For oh, this I movie. do. It's like I'm like a baby duck, and this is Mama Duck. This is like I have imprinted. This film is imprinted on my brain, unfortunately. And per- perhaps like Home Alone, you could put because Home Alone came out at the right time for me. Macaulay Culkin's only like a couple years older than right, I am. Right, right, right. Um, you know, and. I think everybody has these Christmas movies that they saw when they were kids that kind of, um, you know, silent partner show it to your kids. Yeah. Yeah. That was your, yeah. You're seven. You're watching silent partner. You're like, Oh man, I love it. I love it. This movie's got a lot of twists. I'm surprised by a few elements of this movie. Yeah. There's a shocking amount, shocking a lot more nudity than I ever expected this movie would be to have. <laughs> What's up with this like horny business card? What was that like? What was that? There wasn't a like a doorbell. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, um, for those of you who need a refresher course, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's inexplicably Howard Langston. This is the number one why this movie's great. You got Arnold Schwarzenegger playing uh, just a normal American guy. I love normal it. mini workaholic Minneapolis mattress salesman Howard Langston, which of course <laughs> the buffest mattress the, the, salesman. The, the one guy you would ever think of to be that a guy with that description, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, yeah. He's uh, he's he loves his wife Liz, who seems permanently on a three cup of three glass of wine high. Yeah. <laughs> I read Wilson. Yeah, she she's like survive a, more so than like enjoy her life. Yeah, no, her life is grim. She needs wine to survive. That's her character's yeah. game. That's her, her his um <laughs> his his weirdly stilted son Jamie. Oh, this poor this poor child. 
his, his reactions vacillate between two modes. I hate you, dad, and I love you, dad. Yeah. You're the best guy in the world, or you're the worst dad imaginable. Unless he's seeing his favorite characters at the parade, then he's like, yeah. he's, he's oh, ecstatic. Oh, well, and the most important thing in all of Minneapolis is their um, weirdly bland backlot parade. Yeah, they're insane. Yeah, filmed in like sunny, sunny. Sunny Los Angeles. Sunny Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, hard to tell what moments of this movie were filmed in Minneapolis at all. So uh, a lot of the movie was actually like everything except the parade and the house, the scenes indoors was filmed in uh, Minneapolis. And they got they were able to get some, uh, I guess, like the um, the Minnesota Film and TV Board used to have like way more incentives until like until like the late 90s they were really trying to incentivize people to come and film in like minnesota mm-hmm. and so this like, was I, not the um unlike silent partners version of it in canada this was not the highest greatest film under the <laughs> <laughs> minneapolis no. tax yeah and i think like even with the minneapolis i'm trying to think of like like uh, i'm looking at a list they had like heartbreak kid was filmed in minnesota apparently Ooh, fargo I mean, Fargo. Uh, oh, Fargo. Yeah, probably Fargo. That's probably number the, one. Um, and the Grumpy one. Old Men's. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Fargo. But the Grumpy Old Men's actually looked like they were filmed in the dang snow. Bring out these old guys to go ice fishing. Yeah, that, that, that makes, yeah, they, they make, it makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird movie. This is, this is a really, so essentially, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a terrible dad. Oh, horrible. He has not paid attention to anything. He's got to move these mattresses. He calls his wife his number one customer. <laughs> it's an error, but I think that in every lie, there is truth a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, he, sees, he sees poor Rita Wilson, who, again, whatever. I'll take it. She's in the haze of wine. Do you think that, because she was Meryl Streep's friend in It's Complicated, do you think mm-hmm. she divorced? And just got out of that thing with Arnold and just moved to Santa Barbara to drink wine with Meryl Streep. Yeah, she, you know, she like you know, she can handle it. She can handle the pressure. She didn't want the kid. And, you and, know, they it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. Another uh, Academy Academy similarity though. This might as well be true lies. In a lot of it. Oh, a hundred percent. This is like a stealth sequel to True Lies. You could have, you could have had this movie be True Lies. You could have had this be a True Lies. You, you would have to like alter like two or three things. But like, yeah. But like, I'm, you could like get, get Jamie Lee Curtis in there. More stunts. I'm gonna put out a hot take here. I like True Lies way more. Oh yeah. Oh no. True Lies is like infinitely better. This is not a good movie. I gotta, uh, and I have to be clear. This is like I'm brain poisoned. I'm I was bit by this movie, and now I like it. Like I'm I'm the Reinfeld to this film. I'm eating bugs for this movie. <laughs> like it's not good. You're, you're the you're the one. I'm genuinely considering writing a very provocative essay about how this is a critique of capitalism. Oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. No. I almost put this there was a part of me that was crazy enough to almost put this on my top 25 list like as number tw- number 25 wouldn't have been wouldn't have been high up but like there is there's a brain poison part of me because like oh, look there's so many lines jingle all the way i don't yeah. i just don't know <laughs> look like i gotta say though like there's so many quotable like i can't think of a movie in its defense the one thing i'll say in its defense number one you got the holy trinity you got Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, and Hartman. Hartman's great. We'll get to Hartman in just a moment here because his subplot is. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, might, 
He might as well be a serial killer haunting, yeah. <laughs> haunting the burbs. He is. Yeah, he is an evil Tar- force. Targeting unloved wives. He is, he is possessed by Bob from Twin Peaks. He is, yes. <laughs> he is a goblin. He is an evil man. Oh, what if, if this was an episode of Twin Peaks, that would be quite interesting, too. Ooh. Yeah, maybe instead of, like, Phil Hartman, it's, like, Ray Wise. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well be. Might yeah. as well be. But, so... Arnold's his terrible dad. No, bad he, dad. He he learns from his weird son. Who's <laughs> like his son's room. He is insane. Like they have this giant painting of Captain America. Just yeah. an insane. Yeah, before Disney owned Marvel, right? So it was like, ah, uh-uh, you're going to have to pay for that. <laughs> like Marvel, Marvel was in bankruptcy at the time. And they're just like, we'll take whatever yeah, please. product yeah. placement you can give us. <laughs> We're not cool. Um, but so Arnold learns after he misses the weird, oh gosh, there's just so much to unpack here. So his son, he misses the big, the big breaking point is in relationship with his son is that he misses this weird karate pageant. It's insane. Like not how karate works. Like I took Taekwondo when I was a kid. They've done so many movies where like the dad misses like the school play or the piano recital or something like that and like we need something different but done in the exact same way as those scenes in every yeah. other movie but like oh so let's have the kid do karate but it's a weird like karate thing where parents bring their video cameras and it's like a pageant and a show or something and i guess like, like they're doing it at school it's like school karate like they're doing karate. it in a school auditorium <laughs> like is this a class at the school like what is happening in these movies this is like such a common trope of the bad dad who misses these things yeah every single one of them they run into an empty auditorium and they're like shucks i missed it it's like i can tell you this i i could have driven in the parking lot and found the empty parking lot and been like oh i'm pretty late to this yeah. event unless nobody's <laughs> like, here i don't need to run in to the dark auditorium uh, to yeah, know that i blew like it <laughs> a little overkill although i will say don't you relate to arnold when he does that thing where he, he goes on the goes on the shoulder he's like oh i got it i i beat the system oh i yelled at him i'm like you <laughs> bastard he's, i would honk the hell out of you i would honk sick, my horn you, you, sick you, sick fuck, you, you sick fuck get out of here drive, you're that guy you're driving on the shoulder <laughs> yeah he is like a stinker in this movie he is like not a good man he is an, another example of a, a horrible person no, janet janet i yelled at the tv like don't drive on the shoulder arnold <laughs> yeah that's only for emergencies yeah, this your son's stupid karate pageant does not does not count he will not remember in like tw- in five years he will in two years he'll not care <laughs> no he's going to develop like a um early drug problem or yeah because you're such a bad dad yeah <laughs> so anyway the only way arnold can make it up beyond doing like psychotic dances for his son yeah his son. Uh, doing a, a horribly racist uh, karate parody yeah <sighs> <laughs> Again, so much to unpack. We are five minutes into this movie. Yeah, we're like, yeah, <laughs> insane and insane. Yeah. So yeah, racist karate parody. Yeah, weird that, dance. Not only is racist, it's making fun of his son's passion and yeah. not taking it seriously oh, at 100%. all. hundred percent. It's like on top of that, it's like you know he's putting it on the he putting the the hat the the t- you can tell it's like Schwarzenegger. It's like Brian Levant was like Schwarzenegger. Just go to town do an improv or maybe it was written who knows 
That's the thing, though. It's like guys like Schwarzenegger should not be allowed to improv. They should have really well-crafted jokes yes. written for them. A la True Lies. A la, a la True Lies. A la Predator. A la any of those any, movies. Any other comedy <laughs> any Schwarzenegger's other twins, been almost. Even Kindergarten Cop. I have to say, too, when I saw the poster with Arnold with his hands up to his head, I just, I quoted Gerard Depard, too. I go, I'm dying now. <laughs> That's what the uh so many great um i'm not gonna lie like how do you feel about all the scenes or like there's so many scenes in this movie where like people like their eyes like bug out and they're like what like that it's happened weird, like it's like the pro it is the proto that happened like it is like the like the yeah, yeah, i wonder if like joe dante had directed this movie mm. the commercial critique would have been up tenfold but he could have still done the weird cartoony stuff yeah Maybe. Like if, yeah, like I think Brian Levant, you know, he's he said it killed his career. It did. It like it was it, like it crushed him. It did yeah. like yeah. I think it was like a black mark on his uh, on his record. Because well, like the, like there are these move. There are a lot of these movies like this that this was financially successful to an extent, mm-hmm. but um, no one wanted to be associated with it. No. Because it was just like, it became like a punchline almost immediately. And you could feel like it's right around, right around True Lies time, but it feels so, like, for as expensive as it was, it feels so low rent. Oh. To, like the Schwarzenegger spectacles, like even like going back to 91 and Terminator 2 or something like that. It just feels like for as much money as they spent on it, it feels very cheap. Yeah, well, it's like part, part of it is like a lot of the special effects, especially towards the end, those special effects have not aged well. Yeah. Um, and then part of it too is that like you know I think a lot of the money probably just like went to like Schwarzenegger well, and... yeah Arnold probably got 25 million dollars or something out of that oh totally 75 million so anyway we've, we're at some point we're going to explain the main crux of this yeah we gotta we gotta do this yeah we gotta do this we gotta so, talk about Turbo Man Jake Lloyd tells him that he needs you know what it'll be the best is if you can get me Turbo Man for Christmas, that's the hottest toy on the market. He's so a freak the, for Turbo Man. But it turns out everybody is. Everybody's yeah. oh, a lunatic for this. You know, and that's another aspect of this movie, which is interesting, because they do the Turbo Man ad, like, movie within a movie, like, toward the beginning of it. Yeah. And it reminds me of our friend Aaron Sorkin's attempt on Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. <laughs> Of like it's the best thing in the world. It's a genius comedy, but then when he showed the sketches, it's like these are terrible. What? No one, and I don't believe it. So it's like you see the Turbo Man thing. It's like <laughs> sucks. Yeah, like, I think that they were trying to do Power Rangers. That was yeah. what they were mapping it off of. But it's mm-hmm. like even as a kid, I would have been like this. This this show's lame. Oh <laughs> My, no. It sucks ass. Although, like, one thing I do appreciate is the hatred of Booster. That's, like, a very funny through that's line. That's funny. Yeah, that's that really rules. funny. That's and that's the- real because there was, like, I remember with, like, the hot action figures when I was a kid. Like, there was always one that, like, no, I don't want that one. Yeah, that one like, sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't want uh, Wedge Antilles or, like, whatever Boba. Or, I guess everyone wanted Boba Fett. But, like, well, yeah. Give, you me, don't want- uh, give me Darth Maul. Yeah, I want Darth Maul. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want young Anakin. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't for... want Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yeah, yeah Booster yeah. is like the Jar Jar Binks of uh, this world. Yeah, and so there are like funny things like that that like are ring true. So, but 
to get back to why the movie kind of stinks, Arnold immediately lies and says, I already have it. Yeah. And tells everyone <laughs> that he, he's already done it. He doesn't done. Even know what it is, and he, but he claims to have it, and he claims to already have done it. Yeah. Oh, and then there's that classic moment where Rita Wilson's like, hey, I'm glad you got it. You know, she's in her wine haze. She's like, hey, I'm glad you got it, because uh, in her, her stupor of wine. <laughs> she's I, I, like, and then, well, that, like, the, the, the end, did you catch the end credit? The no. post-credit sequence in the movie? No, I've never seen a post. There's a post-credit, There's post-credit no. sequence. In no the movie, fucking so. way. So spoiler alert, Arnold. We'll get. To, we'll, we'll come around to it. But he saves the day uh, somehow, yeah. inexplicably, poorly written. Saves the day. Um, so at the end, they're opening presents, and Rita Wilson in her in her wine haze is like, "You did such a good job." He didn't. By the way, I'll do an arrested development. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> he, he didn't. <laughs> But he, uh, she goes, you did such a good job for Anakin. I forget his character name. <laughs> like, what What did you get me? And then they do the free zoom in on oh. oh, no, you know. Yeah, he does the like, eyes, like, he's, he's doing just... the fucking Macaulay Culkin. He is legit yeah, doing yeah. the, oh, no. And, yeah, so of course he did not buy her uh, Christmas gift. And he's in big trouble once again. Uh, for part two, when I got to figure out how to get my drunk wife who hates me because for with reason. <laughs> yeah, her, her, yeah, her totally, totally fair to be drunk. She's in yeah. hell. Yeah. So Arnold's a liar. Yeah, he's a, a bad, bad husband man. and a bad dad. He's an evil bad dad. Perhaps. He's, set on, he's sent on a mission to go find Turbo Man, which he uh, arrogantly is like, oh, yeah, no biggie. Yeah, uh, he goes boy. to a store that Chris Parnell works at. Oh yeah, I like this is, little moment, which is funny, funny too, and discovers that not only is Turbo Man impossible to find, but parents are literally beating each other up <laughs> with anything they can find, like a pro wrestling match, to it's, to to get the last Turbo. Man. It's like yeah, it's like Night of the Living Dead. Everyone's which, just. Um, Stuns Arnold, um, and Arnold meets another fellow bad dad in Sinbad, who's a mailman who's after Turbo Man as well, and they immediately start beating each other up. It's chaos. Okay, can I say something? I love, I love Sinbad in this movie. He's, he's, it's insane. He's well, he's the only one in the movie that he's like. This is a big get for me. This part, I actually oh, yeah. want to like, like. I'm in an Arnold movie. I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like, like the Tom, Tom Arnold. Arnold. Yeah, yeah, Tom Arnold, basically. <laughs> and yeah, so Simba, and you see the original casting idea was Danny DeVito. And like the genius he is, Danny was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing yeah. that. No, <laughs> DeVito was smart. That was a great, I love how they try to like talk it off. Like, yeah, we don't want to do a big, small thing again. I know, yeah, and it's like, like nah, dog, he, he passed off. Want... He passed my dude. I didn't want Arnold beating up Danny DeVito. <laughs> That would be funny seeing Danny DeVito just get the oh, shit get a shit wrecked by Arnold. It would have been like I would have loved it if he if we had a Sunny in Philadelphia crossover from the '90s where he's trying to get Turbo Man for Dennis, or, oh. but he's just as evil as he is on Sunny in Philadelphia. Doing hor- Oh my God! Write that spec script, Don. Uh, uh, Full-throated uh, Don recommendation to the new season of Sunny in Philadelphia. They are oh. still they are still doing it in very interesting ways. Um, I love it. But uh, yeah, them and them and Curb, they're like the two yeah. that have like consistently like they they keep it going. Because if you never have anyone grow and keep them just being 
assholes at best. Comedy <laughs> can just go forever. Yeah, <laughs> the second keep... anyone learns anything, that's the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, that's hey, that's why the office started suck really sucking yep. when they got married. It's like I don't yep. know, they're the complex boring. Yep. Yeah, there's no more conflict. But uh, when you're a monster yeah. and you never change, you can always be a monster. You can always go. That's a well that just is a gift that keeps on giving to the world of comedy. Um, speaking of that, Phil Hartman. Uh, <laughs> so simultaneously on their block, there is a beloved single dad played by Phil Hartman, who, while we, he could have been portrayed as just this asshole who like Ned Flanders type annoyance. Um, Every single time he does something good, it seems like he is doing it strictly to get into one of the neighbor women, wine women's pants. (laughs) Yeah, he is. (laughs) To the point of it being sinister. (laughs) Yeah, he is the, 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 the wine, he's the wine woman, uh, like whisper he's he's a piece evil in a completely different way and he's uh, he has got the hots for rita wilson in the biggest possible way she's too drunk to notice yeah. most of the movie yeah she's <laughs> the, 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 just thick and wine she is just thick with what she's drinking away her days because her weird mattress salesman howard played by a gigantic austrian man <laughs> oh, I imagine she's like, uh, I imagine it's like uh, that one episode of um, The Last Man on Earth where she just has like a, a pool, a baby pool filled with wine <laughs> that she swims yeah. in. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like how they react to him on that show where they just, Mary Steenburgen just drinks more and more because she's like, I have to deal with Will Forte, who's a monster <laughs> yeah. at all times. <laughs> so it's like, I have to deal with that. Like yeah. the number one pervert, Phil Hartman. You you've got a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger in a ball pit behind you as your Zoom background, and you uh, kind of like leaned back a moment ago, and I thought uh, you're falling in. Oh no, I'm getting these pulling me down. Yeah, oh, no. so uh, basically, yeah, as Phil Hartman tries to like snarkily prove he's a better dad and also get with Arnold's wife, yeah. Arnold is all over Minneapolis with Sinbad in tow in a lot of it. <laughs> Getting into just a series of shenanigans and spoofs and goofs, trying to get his hands on the dang Turbo Man. Going they, too far. They all blended together for me. Oh, totally fair. So yeah, so Arnold is all over Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah, just he's doing mad. Committing crimes. He's just doing crimes. <laughs> it's a huge fight with a gang of Santas led by Jim Belushi. <laughs> that is. <laughs> sequence is so insane all of this is leading up to the parade you can't miss the parade howard howard dad what about the parade over and over again they're they're drilling into our head just how big of a deal this backlot parade it's like yeah this parade with Damn all Main your, Street all the, Parade in Disneyland or something. All your favorite characters like the Crayola crayons, Snoopy, um, boxes. L- literally every bit of IP that we can Oh, yeah, afford. I saw Sonic. Yeah. yeah. We can't get, you know, not Mickey. But, not um, Mickey, but like any any other IP, we'll, we'll get them in there. Yeah. And uh, including Turbo Man. And Turbo Man is there. And this leads to. Oh, my God. 
an inexplicable conclusion. Just insane. The kid's hanging off the side of a building. Sinbad is dressed as the bad guy. Arnold is dressed as the good guy. Sinbad has gone full bore, ready to kill a child. Yes, become the Joker. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's make it clear too that, like, okay, both of the what happens is through a, a wacky sequence of events. I believe it's Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to evade the cop. He's perpetually like. That's a weird he's, subplot too. Yeah, he's making he's this cop's life going at it with. The yeah, the cop is. I'm and the cop is old. The cop is an old cop. He's, he's an old like, man. Yeah. He's an old man, and he keeps like he ruins his car. He gets a bomb blown up in his face. It's this poor fuck is going through hell. <laughs> the part that I can't, the part that just struck me in my head too is. So why does Phil Hartman have a reindeer? There, that should be brought up too. Oh Phil yeah, Hartman that's another reindeer. subplot. He has a reindeer. I mean, I think Arnold it's... breaks into Phil Hartman's house to rob him of Turbo Man at one point. <laughs> Lights the house on fire. <laughs> kicks one of the wise men's heads through the window. Causing massive damage to Phil Hartman's house. Oh, in addition to just terror, there's like a bunch of, you know, classic cliched carolers and they see a flaming wise man head lob towards them and they they freak that. It they starts freak off with Rita Wilson's drunk haze. Oh, carolers. <laughs> yeah. The only time you'd ever be excited about carolers in your neighborhood. <laughs> yes. Three, three glasses of wine. <laughs> Surprised you didn't try and join in like Nicolas Cage and face off. Yeah, he's perpetually trapped in the fog of wine. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's not alcoholism, it's wine. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Mind yeah. you, I don't think there's one moment in the movie where we actually see her with a glass of wine. Where we are just oh uh, massive fan spec- speculation. Yeah, fan, this is speculation. This is our jingle all the way fan fiction. We, yeah, so we're trying to justify justify her being able to cope with all this going on around her. Yeah, and Arnold is continuously lying to her. Oh, evil. and if Phil Hartman wasn't such a sleazo, mm-hmm. you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm just leaving you, Arnold. I'm going Hartman." But yeah. he's, he he also buries bodies underneath the crawl space in his house. Oh yeah, no, so. there's like. He is like uh, he is like season three of Mindhunter. He's the... yeah. Again, that's like um. Again, why the Burbs is a better commentary on suburban characters mm. rather than Joe Dante's masterpiece, The Burbs, because it's like all of the people in the suburbs are lunatic psychos, played yes. as lunatic psycho, led by Tom Hanks, who you think is going to be the straight man, but he's maybe the craziest out of all of them. But then you find out that. They were still right, and their Clopex, their neighbors do are burying pot. They are murderers. <laughs> and it's like Jason, this entire insane tour, like to turn me on that where like everyone is crazy in the suburbs, and that's um, to the point of murder, like yeah. which is super fun. But the burbs probably made significantly less money, and is yeah. a holiday standard, like jingle all the way. Yeah. So yeah, this Lisa's ending where Arnold's Turbo Man, and yep. it's a fully functional outfit, by the way. He can fly. Yeah, he, he can fly. He also, <laughs> with um, there's a fully functional villain outfit that includes, apparently, Simba's hands can just fly off and come back. There's, like, a moment where one of his arms, I mean, I guess, like, maybe there's, like, hands. Like, the tech is insane. <laughs> yeah, because the parade spent all their money on that. 
Yeah. It seems that nothing like, else, no other aspect of their one block parade that the, you gotta go to Howard. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go to, oh man, what an insane, yeah, those costumes are chaos. I, Howard, uh, you've done, Howard, you've burned down Minneapolis, but I'm still gonna stay with you as long as you make it to the parade. So he saves the day. Yes. Uh, little Anakin. Yeah, little Anakin. Is, uh, the youngling. Shows the Christmas spirit by giving Turbo Man to Sinbad before Sinbad is drug away to the mental asylum. <laughs> yeah, before he's sent to Arkham to hang out with fucking Riddler and Penguin. It's like the damn Scarecrow is there with him. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Like, Jim Carrey is in his little, like, I'm Batman. Yeah, yeah Batman Forever era. <laughs> yeah, no, this yeah. is, he's totally going to the Batman Forever asylum. Would have been, it would have been very funny if Christopher Nolan was like, I really wanted to bring a real grounded serious look at jingle all the way (laughs) please nolan yeah yeah, remake jingle all the way and get it right this time yeah do jingle all the way rises (laughs) integrate you know integrate one and two effortlessly i I was born in the toy store (laughs) (laughs) i was born turbo man (laughs) you just claim to be turbo man i was born turbo man You think you're Turbo Man, but really you're Booster. Take to the streets, Minneapolis. Take back your town. <laughs> <laughs> he flows up the parade. <laughs> yeah. Van Vane really means business. He took out the parade. Yeah. Just broke Sinbad's back. <laughs> Rita Wilson immediately leaves Arnold for Bane. Yes. <laughs> Hey, sorry, babe. Uh, I'm falling in love, but we got to get you into a 12-step program. (laughs) Uh, These cookies are delicious. I know 12 to 15 minutes. (laughs) Balthazar. (laughs) Phil Hartman's like, who's the one who wears the mask? I was born in the mask. (laughs) Okay, that's a top-level Academy Academy weird crossover. Yeah. That's how grim this twisted this movie yeah, is. Yeah, this movie uh, is twisted, much like the Joker himself. So yeah. it ends in this part that we were kind of describing toward the top, and maybe the most inexplicable part of this movie, other than the conclusion in which everyone wins. Yeah, um, and no, no one except Sinbad, no, who's definitely going to jail or and Phil Hartman, who gets like you know stew thrown on him or something. I don't remember. <laughs> he has like egg, eggnog. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do love the idea of just he had like a thermos. A thermos of hot stew. Stew? <laughs> hey, let's share some stew, Rita. Cold outside. You want to share some stew? Maybe it's cold outside. How about some stew? Some beef bourguignon. <laughs> uh, it's hard. It's Minneapolis. Yeah, you got it. That's the thing in Minneapolis stew is like their coffee. That's like <laughs> that's the only way to survive in that cold weather. He gets his. Sinbad is permanently damaged, but he got a turbo man. Yeah. And so all this leads up to this part where an extended scene in which Rita and Anakin are talking to Turbo Man. <laughs> and they're, they're like, still wondering where Arnold is. Oh my God. And they're talking to him. It's Arnold dressed as Turbo Man. And there's only one Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. He's not like, um, oh, let's say Adam Scott, who I love. Right. Who oh, seems yeah. like a regular 
type guy. Yeah, you can like confuse a, him with other guys. He's <laughs> not like a Paul Rudd type, or like yeah, a, yeah like a, just a normal, or even like you know a Michael Douglas, or like yeah. you know, or even like you could be like a weird American, and I guess in theory get away with it. But like, it's also like one of those like movies too, where it's like when it's like the female star, the male star, it's like yeah, they're a model. They're beautiful. They're the most beautiful, but they're just a regular lady. Or it's like they're the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Uh, But yeah, so it's like they're talking to him, and he has to take off the mask because Mia's dead. Yeah, it's fantastic. I've done it. The perfect crime. (laughs) Like they're like, you gotta be kidding me. It's it's you, Howard. It's like no, (laughs) no shit. It's Howard. I mean, it is like Silent Partner. We're like, yeah, they both get away with it. They. The only gigantic Austrian guy in Minneapolis. Yeah, they try to like they try to like uh, justify it with like now we have a vocal vocalizer to alter your, but it doesn't change it. All it does is make it sound slightly tech techie. So, yeah, to like a computerized version of Arnold. <laughs> yeah, it's so clearly Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I will say, I gotta give a shout out to Curtis uh, Armstrong as yeah. the booster, who like he's like a horrible man. He's so he has the one line. It's evil. It's good to see. It was really nice to see him. He's always funny. Oh, he's so funny. But then he gets. Oh, it's so funny to see that character. I think the funniest, maybe the funniest moment in the movie for me is when Booster gets uh, the guy playing Booster, Curtis Armstrong, like you know Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. He gets like thrown off the the float. And then all the kids swarm him and just start beating the shit out of him and going, we ain't boosted. <laughs> so that's like, ah, oh, that's good. <laughs> it is funny. And yeah, there is opportunities there, but the movie wanted to like go after crass consumerism, mm. but also kind of celebrate it. Oh it yeah. Like real, like just absolutely dweeby tacked on family friendly, unearned. Oh, it's a half measure. It's ending, like, you know, if the movie had ended with Schwarzenegger and Sinbad going to jail, oh. uh, we're just like killing each other, like on top of like whatever yeah, the tallest like, tower in Minneapolis is. Yeah, there. Yeah, the movie should have ended it with an extraordinary act of violence. It should have ended, yeah, like True Lies, where like yeah, like uh, or 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 simply give one of them a fish tank that breaks and creates a sharp edge. Uh oh. Oh no. <laughs> Okay, that would be a funny. <laughs> Just... Oh, you can have Turtle Man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Find Elliot Gould and get one of his carpets. We're gonna we're gonna need another transpo. <laughs> What's amazing in Silent Partner too is how quickly he realized to go to the place where they were dr- pouring cement. Mm-hmm. He's smart guy. Smart yeah. guy. He's good he's, at crime. He's, he's good at crime. Good... Dude, great crime man. And yeah. like, yeah, that's just the thing about like Jingle the way that doesn't work is like Arnold Schwarzenegger is not good at crime, but he gets away with everything. He's not good at anything. No, he's a bad. He, oh, no, he may not selling, even. Do you think he's good? I think he's good at selling mattresses. I think he is genuinely good at selling mattresses. I think he he's like probably the number. But then like it's the classic bad dad focused on business too much. Yeah. Oh well, we we and we know. <laughs> We yeah. know that guy all too damn well. <laughs> doesn't, yeah, doesn't even freaking, you know, there's a conga line downstairs at the party. Doesn't even go to it. No, I mean, he's going to get home December 26th. He's going to find yeah. 
Rita Wilson with her bags packed. She's got to go find herself, and he doesn't know how to make pancakes. She has like and... an I. She has an IV of wine. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> directly I'm going, in her face. I'm going to Santa Barbara and never coming back. I'm going to live my. my I'm going to live my truth. <laughs> I'm going to like leaving Las Vegas myself. <laughs> But then he's going to become Ted Kramer and he's going to lose the, you know. Mm, And then Rita's going to come back. I'm sober now and I want custody. (laughs) Yeah. No more wine for this person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hmm. there's some asterisks. Maybe if I'm I'm around you. (laughs) If I'm at a wedding? I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah. And that IV is not going to drip itself. Like, Oh, yeah. So, um, Everything ends up just terrific for Howard. Yeah, um, he's a hero. No, there are no consequences, and in fact, he's gained esteem within the community. I think the, bitch, the the movie should have gotten further and just like given him like a key to the town. Like they should have just made him the mayor of Minneapolis. <laughs> the mayor like takes off their top hat. They're like, you know what? I can't be mayor anymore. We got a better man. Yeah, <laughs> you're you are now our new god emperor. Oh, yeah. and like, he become Minneapolis secedes from the United States to create this whole like strange uh, dictatorship. Yeah, <laughs> like a caliphate in the middle of the Midwest. And then you get yeah, Trump coming in here. Now, Howard, he's got a lot of great ideas. Like, <laughs> Let's start the revolution. Howard, Howard's an old friend. Turbo man, gold friend of mine. He's Booster. a big boy. He's a big guy. Yeah, Booster, we go back. <laughs> went to pen with Booster. He went to yeah, he was Studio 54 doing rails of coke with Booster. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a host. Uh, so clearly this movie insane warped warped us yeah we're, we're it's feverish I, I i do love every time we do an episode where it's like we do a movie where it's like just we quietly celebrate it and then another movie we're like what the hell was that <laughs> can i i want to end on uh i'm gonna say my last piece on turbo man i'm gonna read this bit of a roger ebert's review it's, oh, his middling review uh Roger Ebert on uh, Jingle All the Way. I liked a lot of the movie, which is genial and has a lot of energy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. A lot of energy. Yeah, but, I was so, but I was sort of depressed by its relentlessly materialistic view of Christmas and by the choice to go with action and mild violence over dialogue and plot. Audiences will like it, I'm sure. But I have to raise my hand in reluctant dissent and ask, please, sir, may we have some more goodwill among men? Even Turbo Men. <laughs> it's, like, it's a wonderful life for Roger Ebert. Yeah. After <laughs> all the way, he goes walks by himself through Chicago in the snowstorm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really makes you think. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> like Stallone no. in those photos you sent me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> much to think about. Yeah, much to think about. Much to think about. And that's, yeah, that's the end of um, really, it really embodies the American dream. You can be terrible to your loved ones. You can run through your entire city like you own a bulldozer destroying everything in sight. Yeah. And yet Christmas rocks for you and you're celebrated. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you act like Paul Giamatti in the amazing Spider-Man 2, but then you're lauded as a hero. Yep. <laughs> and that's America. 
Yeah, that's. <laughs> Did you get the toy? Then you're then you're fine. Yeah, like how many? How many? Yeah, it doesn't matter how many bodies are on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Did you get your way? Did you, yeah. Is your is your drunk wife satisfied with you yeah. for one more night? Is, is your is your wine wife happy? Is will she be able to sleep? <laughs> oh my god! I only need to drink myself tonight. Just to, to sleep tonight on three glasses rather than four. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little less numb. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you practically see this scene where, like, 10 years later, he comes into Jake Lloyd's room and he's, like, got, like, <laughs> the, bodies, <laughs> the bodies of fellow shoppers. Where did you learn this? I learned it from you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All the you see no, I think like Arnold Schwarzenegger, he he has all the the shoppers he murdered. They're like his uh, spirit wives, like Ed Kemper. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> the, thing, the thing that they, maybe the my, my last thought too is Arnold seems like such an awesome dad on Instagram, like the real Arnold. He loves yeah. loves loves all his children, legitimate and otherwise. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. He loves his big beautiful son with his maid. Arnold. Oh, I love the man. I love him. He he's the one guy. Like I was talking to somebody about Nicholson has the same vibe to him, where has certainly done countless deeds that are cancelable for almost anyone else, and yet Arnold just skirts behind. It's like I love him. He's 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 charming. Oh, he's smoking a cigar. He's having a good time. Yeah, he's got a goat in his kitchen. I don't know what to do with that is. He's great. What a wacky dude. He's he's hilarious. Like, <laughs> and, um, yeah. Hey, you know what? It's it's cool that he is like at least like like he legit like oh, he owns loves, up to having. Yeah, that's awesome. He loves that kid. And that they works. they like lift weights together. They go to golds. Wow. He's no, he's no skin. He he pumps iron. With Damn. Them. Yeah, I love it. I love it. He loves his son. <laughs> but uh, it didn't go well for his marriage but he loves his son yeah he loves his son didn't go well for the marriage <laughs> yeah his, his other kids would probably question him a little bit but um yeah but you know what oh well yeah. whatever you know we don't know never we will <laughs> if i ever met him i'd be really excited yeah <laughs> it's fantastic um but yeah that's our holiday special yeah <laughs> two all like the a... way sound partner two very similar movies yeah totally uh yeah just totally uh yeah just two very you know just two movies about uh people that you know commit crimes and do they get away, away with it? them yeah getting away with it two two crime boys you know <laughs> ellie gold arnold schwarzenegger just they're cutting from the same cloth <laughs> they both have hollow lives they're trying to <laughs> fill it with crime yeah yeah <laughs> uh it's good it was good this, this was fun yeah uh, so next week oh finally hey you know no, no promises i'm gonna we're, we'll say we're gonna try our best we're gonna try a bit we're both we're both yeah we both are living we're both on vacation right now and hey you know what you know but we're gonna try to do, get that brag uh that uh top that, 10 we're gonna get that top 10 we're gonna, oh, try, and read it. We're gonna try and read yeah, it i the got book. the i you know what i finally broke down i got the audiobook so i'm gonna although i am disappointed that the audiobook isn't uh narrated by uh albert brooks that oh well was, that's a big miss yeah that's like easy it's like because like okay because some books uh, i'm usually not an auto audiobook guy i'm pretty much team uh read the damn thing but uh mm. but uh like uh the steve coogan 
the Alan Partridge, his Alan Partridge books, he he audio he narrates them himself, and it's so it's so funny. Yeah, it's, but the, yeah, that, it I rules. Know, I like, doubt that. Yeah, he's, so he's, like he's he's a very funny man. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So uh, so it's just but, yeah, lost opportunity. Yeah. So next week, we close things out. Yes. Fingers crossed with Brooks Brooks. <laughs> and, we'll, and then will we finally move on to the, the, the third bracket finally? Fi- is 2022 the year we finally <laughs> go back to the uh, premise of this show? <laughs> yeah. Or do we do like a Bryant Levant miniseries? <laughs> I've been dying to watch all the Cameron Crowe movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see what's up with, uh, oh. what's up with uh, B- Barry Levinson. We got it with a twinkle in their eyes. <laughs> Two Academy Academy boys climb back into the movie sleigh. <laughs> I wish you all a good night. That's, that's the night before Christmas. I yeah. tried something there. It didn't work. How do you know? <laughs> Ta ta, Turtle Man. <laughs> I'm dying now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Spanglish? <laughs> uh, oh, man. Yeah.